0: Welcome to Rhythm of Previews, where we check out the preview chapters of Rhythm of War, the fourth Stormlight Archive novel. I am Danielle with 17th Shard.
1: And I'm Marvin. Hi.
0: Hi. As always, uh, we'll have Rhythm of War spoilers and even some greater Cosmere spoilers, um, just discussion about that. Um, so last week, we got some annotations for Chapter 9. What did we hear?
1: Yeah, so for chapter nine, Brendan mostly talked about that scene where we, or like a scene he always wanted to write, where Kaladin, or a version of Kaladin in a way, um, returned home. And it actually started out uh, as a scene, all the or as a concept, all the way in the beginning for when he was writing Dragonsteel. Actually, planned it for the sequel of Dragonsteel, where a character from sort of the original Bridge 4, because Bridge 4 also was from Dragonsteel or, originally, would return home and sort of face their own stories version of Roshone. And Bren actually dropped another interesting tidbit about Dragonsteel there, because apparently there was like all the kingdoms, or all the people in Dragonsteel were supposed to be, or were basically Bronze Age technology. And there was like one kingdom which uh, was led by a mysterious figure who had way advanced technology. And that's maybe something interesting to look forward to, if he keeps that idea for the real Dragonsteel eventually. But maybe he'll just scrap it as well. So yeah. And so yeah, that was interesting to learn about Dragonsteel, I think. It's really cool to sort of get these early Cosmere, more or less, uh, tidbits from Brandon. But the scene where Kaladin returns home actually later then made the jump to *Way of Kings Prime. Bridge of Four didn't make the cut yet. When, if you've read of King's Prime, you'll know this. There's no Bridge Four. Mm-hmm. But the scene then, of course, as we know it, eventually ended up in Oathbringer, where Kaladin uh, comes back to Hearthstone and sort of sees his family again. But in the sequel to Prime, actually, the return was supposed to only start revealing something about like the Voidbringers in that version of the story and Marin's, which is. Kaladin's name in Way of Kings Prime abilities as a windrunner. And like Brandon described, as he'd bring back the head of the Voidbringer to Dalena in that story and sort of show that there's a threat, threat. So a bit more of a grim, dark feeling, which Brandon targeted with Way of Kings Prime. But yeah, so instead in chapter nine, instead of like that, really. A triumphant ending in a way because we end that ended on a high note. They defeated that Whitebringer. bringer. Um, chapter nine, which we read last time, served as sort of the ending of that arc in the canon version of the story. And canon probably won't go back to Hearthstone in a long time, if at all. And it is a little more messy, is what Brandon called it, but I think it's also just. Would, would turn out a lot better than what he would have been able to pull off back then. So,
0: yeah, it has cool some to realism. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to see how different parts of stories that he's already written have been cannibalized and reworked <laughs> yeah. to fit what's actually been published. It's really interesting to see um, a writer's process in that respect. I find that very fascinating. And it's really awesome that he's sharing
1: that with us too Mm -hmm. like (laughs) he
0: didn't have to he didn't have to talk about things that he wrote like way back when but
1: i feel like it's just awesome to learn that he was able to put in these elements from the earlier stories into these books and still make them work like yeah it's kind of cool that he can make them work. he seems
0: to have specific scenes that he really wants Mm -hmm. to write and so he reworks them so that he can keep that feeling in that scene um, but use it for a different story when that's being published yeah so um this chapter chapter 10 um starts out with the epigraph which we'll go over so the epigraph says that tin cages cause the fabriel to diminish nearby attributes and steel and iron cages change the fabrials polarity what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, so tin making diminishers makes a lot of sense with like last week's epigraph because pewter makes the augmenters. So it doesn't necessarily fit as much with the sort of alomancy sort of equivalent because tin enhances the senses in alomancy mm-hmm. at least. So that's a little different, but it makes sense on the sort of the alloy does. The negative or like the opposite effect mm-hmm. of the of the main metal, so it makes a lot of sense and I mean a lot of people predicted that at this point because it's
0: it also kind of makes mm, sense because yeah. like f- uh, ferrochemical and hemallergic um metals kind of steal and take senses mm-hmm. so so um not like the allomancy, it it enhances everything but it, that's not the end-all and how you can use these metals. So that, that makes sense to me.
1: And I, feel, I think it still makes sense because, like, I think... Oh, am I misremembering? Is tin a pushing metal? or pu- I think it would have to be the pulling metal, right? Yeah, it's a pulling… Eric's nodding. <laughs> That's always good to know. know. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> Tin is the pulling metal and Pewter is pushing your physical abilities. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. makes sense that they then have opposite effects in yeah. um, fabrians Yeah. I think the more interesting part here is honestly the steel and iron part and how they mm. change the polarity of the Fabrial. That's… Yes. Yeah, what do um, you think?
0: <laughs> I'm really a little bit confused about the construction of the fabrile because we had from the previous epigraphs that you drill a hole into the gemstone and thread the metal wires through. So if they're talking about touching it with iron and touching it with steel at a separate time, I don't know how the construction of it works in that that respect, unless um, there's just like specifically a metal cage that touches it and then something else maybe holds the gemstone to activate it or something. I'm I'm mm-hmm. a little confused about that.
1: And like Navani said in the epigraph that advanced metal cages or so have mm-hmm. or can use iron and um steel to mm-hmm. pull off that effect. And she's specifically says that that then they have to touch it or you have to push one of the metals on the gemstone to mm-hmm. make it work. So the touch probably is an important part of how it works. And but yeah, it sounds like you can actually also have just, just have the metal around it. So, yeah, that's. So, I want actual schematics of like favorites, not just like we have her drawings, but mm-hmm. more yeah. schematics would be nice.
0: <laughs> so, like, in the instance of a pain reel, like they mentioned in the epigraph, um, it's, it uses tin to numb the senses but if you added something like steel and iron to that changing the polarity of that does that mean that you could cause it to enhance a feeling or because it would like kind of reverse that effect
1: um, we we do have that uh, like um, navani can flip a switch on the pain reel mm-hmm. and then cause pain like it's sort mm-hmm. of a sepping so effect
0: it, so in that case then but, she's using the other the other cages
1: to- yeah i hmm. it, like it's My mental model for it, what I sort of developed in some conversations on the Discord already, was like you, the steel and iron sort of act as a they only let through one type of effect, sort of. So, iron, for instance, only lets through the diminishing effect, and steel then only lets through the um, pushing effect, so or like the enhancing effect. And so, depending on which one, so you you. how I feel it might work is you actually need all four metals Mm -hmm. on the Fabriel and then and that's why also why it has to be a more advanced cage because you have mechanical stuff in there and Mm -hmm. maybe you even have to like account for interference between the metals so they don't call cancel each other out or anything like that. So that's how I sort of started to imagine because when they
0: have a dial on it like they, they mentioned that there's a dial on the um span read and stuff and mm-hmm. spin it to make a different effect so like maybe that dial is like simultaneously opening a cage and closing a cage around it so that it will cause that effect
1: yeah maybe like okay. i think that would make a lot of sense at least if that i i could at least make that work in my head mm-hmm. i can not imagine how uh, cuz if the iron or steel actually sort of inverts the effect of the actual metal, so you could make tin act like pewter, mm-hmm. I'd find it a little weird. Because why do you even need pewter then?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, had it sort of works for the, like this for now until probably Navani yeah. proves that's wrong. <laughs>
0: Because, like, if if the different alloys cause the opposite effects, what is mm-hmm. the use for steel and iron yeah. if that's all they do? So they must change something beyond just the polar. Like maybe the, when they say polarity, maybe they mean something a little different from what we're interpreting. Yeah, as.
1: like maybe maybe polarity for some for them just is the active effect of like the appre- ex- uh, expressed effect of the Fabrielle. So mm-hmm. the one. That sort of dominates maybe in somewhere, and and if you sort of change the polarity, you just diminish that effect drastically, and then you the other one can sort of work its hmm. thing. So yeah. Hmm.
0: Cool. It's, it's- there's there's a lot of information here but like i'm having trouble processing uh-huh. the actual design of it so if there's any like cosplayers <laughs> or anyone who builds um prototypes of things you should totally <laughs> make a, a prototype for this so that i can uh-huh. understand it
1: <laughs> and i feel like uh, at the end of part 1 we'll have all these Fabriel mm-hmm epigraphs and then we'll just have to list them all out go over mm-hmm. them and to see like okay now i can make a coherent theory or like mental model of why these things work the way they do that'd be really fun
0: <laughs> <laughs> i really like these epigraphs i'd like to um once the book comes out and we can put everything on the copper mine and stuff just have like a whole <laughs> section for the mechanics of making yeah. paper real and stuff i love it <laughs> All right, let's dive into Kaladin's point of view. Uh, the chapter title of chapter 10 is A Single Casualty. Uh, Kaladin is feeling better after flying and sunlight, and he speaks with the Spren Yunfa um, about bonding Relain, and um, he wants him to give it a good Rosharn week to. Make it work um, because Yunfa is having some
1: uh, doubts. Uh, yeah,
0: so he's having some yeah. doubts about Relaine. Um, so they fly over Narak on the Shattered Plains, and Dalinar speaks with Kaladin. He asks to speak with Kaladin, and Kaladin kind of cringes. He's expecting him to um, address what all the other Bridge 4 members were addressing. But Dalinar instead starts by saying he doesn't want Kaladin and the Windrunners to start going easy on the enemy because he realized that they have let some of them stay alive. And so after they discuss um, that, they talk about honor and the Parshendi and they discuss the need for more help from the honor spren. And then Dalinar brings up eventually what Kaladin was actually dreading. um, His battle fatigue So Dalinar relieves Kaladin from duty uh, on the field. So this shakes Kaladin. He realizes that Dalinar is doing this out of care for his men, not just because he's the same as all the other light-eyed blowhards, his words. And um, so Kaladin feels at the end of this chapter that he is the single casualty in this battle. So what do we think about (laughs) Kaladin's viewpoint at the end of this little storyline?
1: Yeah, so I don't, I'm upset a little that he still blames himself for like uh, his failures is what he thinks or or what he thinks of there when they're actually like not stuff he can really influence. Like he said, he's... um, He has fears that he is holding back the other Windrunners from swearing the 4th. Oh, ideal. And it's really good to see, I think, that Delinar relieved him of duty here because it was overdue in a way because Kellen just pushed himself all the time. And Delinar probably felt that he had to do it at some point already. It's good to see, I think, that he is going to take up other duties from this point on.
0: And I think Dalinar Realizes that Kaladin needs this kind of tough mm-hmm. love. Like he needs to be ordered. He's a soldier. He needs to be told. Listen, you need to stop. Even though Kaladin doesn't want to, this is the best way to um, approach him with his concern, uh, with Dalina's concerns. Um, so, I, I mean. I understand, I can understand Kaladin's viewpoint. Mm. He's like, how can I protect people if I'm not yeah. out there with them? That makes sense. But at the same time, like Dalinar said in this chapter, he's like, what if you freeze up again? You can't protect them if you're out there, if you're not in the right mindset. And so that's when Kaladin kind of realizes, okay, Dalinar just doing this because he cares about us and <laughs> he's not yeah. just, you know, being typical light eyes. So...
1: Mm-hmm. I, I like the little sort of impressions we get of Syl here where she mm-hmm. is really concerned for Kaladin and also like when Delna said you can also protect or you can uphold your oath in different ways and then Kaladin sort of looks to Syl and she says, yeah, you can manage to mm-hmm. protect people and like do your do your job as a Radiant in a way uh, when you're not on the battlefield. And mm-hmm. She's just a great character.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is. She's great for for Kaladin. Like th- their bond is really something that he needs desperately. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, a- speaking of Syl, um, it's really an interesting little point that Kaladin was able to tell the difference at a distance of who oh. Syl and um, Yunfa. He could tell that they're slightly different because of their their color is unique almost like a like a thumbprint or something mm-hmm. but also like when you have your eyes closed and you hear someone walking you can kind of tell who <laughs> they are by their gait and that's kind of what the impression i had of that was like he could tell which one was still even at a distance just because they're so close i'm assuming mm-hmm. uh, i, like, I, I mean, like that
1: they've bonded for two years at this mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. So like so that's a long relationship already, yeah. and you and really get to know together. the other person there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's also like Sill has taken up more human mannerisms as well as what Karen mm-hmm. notes. Like while the honest or like Yunfa is more sort of honest, friendly. Basically, mm-hmm. is more stiff and. Uh, yeah, not not uh, as much. Or he, he, you can notice that he's a friend and not a human, while mm-hmm. still actually sort of do does human gestures and sort of expressions. And I feel like that's also just a function of their bond getting deeper. It, mm-hmm. and, I mean, to some uh, to some extent at least, it's probably also Sis' personality. Like he, she's just is that way, but um, it's also like she takes up stuff from him and uh, he also learns stuff from her so it's a mutual bond.
0: yeah and um i'm doing reread and in way of kings you see her meeting kaladin and they kind of develop their relationship and she's definitely different from how she is in this like oh yeah yeah she's like so maybe that's where yunfa is at his point because he he bonded a windrunner and that windrunner passed away. And he kind of moved on. He took it as like a casualty of war because maybe their bond wasn't developed enough like Sill and Kaladin's. But it, like you said, it could just be an aspect of Syl's personality. Maybe she feels things more deeply than others, maybe like more empathetic or something.
1: Yeah, I found that really interesting that like generally Sprain apparently aren't that affected by their... Sp- that by their radiant stuff because so we only really had still as an example up until this point because we know she she actually went into a deep slumber and it apparently isn't that way for all the spren i can mm. only assume that it's sort of this more like it's not just the honor spren thing that they can get over it more quickly it's more universal and yeah it helps them get back into the action quicker i guess
0: also, the, there's a difference with how Sil, Sil seeked out Kaladin first. He mm-hmm. wasn't searching for a bond. So there might be some way, some different way about that because um Yun Fa wasn't looking for his radiant, like the 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 Windrunners who haven't bonded a spren, they are looking for a spren to finally be able to say their oaths and stuff. So it's a little different uh, the way that Kaladin yeah. did it than, than the way. It's maybe that more of a,
1: It's maybe more of a working relationship at mm-hmm. the beginning, at least for these friends. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't like it still affects them. It's what uh, also what Kaladin notes, like they are still like in grief or they grieve and a little melancholy, maybe, but getting a new bond actually helps them get over that yeah Yeah. and then also
0: getting a bond kaladin mentions that yunfa's mind will fade and he kind of holds that over his head like you need to start working on this with relaine like you need to give him a chance because otherwise all this work that you've done to adapt to the physical realm well he didn't say physical realm but (laughs) to our world um will be lost so it's almost like the Spren have it kind of they're doing it for themselves so that they can be in the physical.
1: I mean, yeah, I think that makes it lot. Because when they usually get into the physical realm, they or they can't transition fully into the physical realm because of their because they don't have somebody to sort of draw them into it. So it makes sense that they would like to be in the physical realm because I guess they also get some benefits because mm-hmm. in Shadesmar they more or less are normal people in uh, most ways, but in the physical realm, they actually get to fly around and change form a lot. So that might be a lot of fun we for them. want and- to do that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, maybe they just like, or, like, they definitely like it in the physical realm. So why would they want to lose it? And it's fun to see Kellen actually use it as leverage mm-hmm. over Yunfa.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'll give you 10 days. You got to work on it. <laughs> hmm. And then, speaking of Lane, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, this poor boy. I mean, yeah. he's he's still fighting against this prejudice, like from even the sprint. Like <laughs> they're like he's yeah. enemy and stuff. Like no, he's not.
1: <laughs> I feel and, bad for him. Yeah, and like I wonder how that actually came to be. Like in in the beginning of the conflict with the fuse or like the singers mm-hmm. because. The Spren probably were on good terms with them up until that point. So something, not only the hu- were the humans taking over to sort of uh, oppose the singers and Odium, more or less, uh, the Spren were too. So something uh, in their past must have triggered that. And if it's even then, like, Relane isn't, he isn't a fuse or anything. He's just a normal singer. And... Mm-hmm. That they, he still has such prejudice against him is really, yeah. yeah, sad to see.
0: It really makes me interested in seeing a Venley chapter eventually um, because we'll be able to see Timber and see a different relationship, hopefully. Crossing my fingers.
1: <laughs> that actually, because you bring up Tim- Timber, it makes me wonder what Aiko. Because like the common mm-hmm. theory is that he's her daughter, as uh, she's her do- his daughter, mm-hmm. and what do you think when his daughter went off not only to bond somebody but actually bond a singer as a radiant. So I, I hope we get that eventually, just as a sort mm-hmm. of fit, yeah. But yeah, Relaine still hasn't bonded a friend at all yet, mm-hmm. and this sort of seems to point at him really going down the windrunner route. But I still actually like. Uh, just it's one of my sort of pet theories or pet ideas is that he'll be the sibling radiant mm-hmm. because that would just make a lot of sense in my head because like the sibling is not is we know they are not um, uh, male or female like they are mm-hmm. uh, don't aren't binary and. That would make a lot of sense for a singer to bond them, I feel, because like they also have male and female and mm-hmm. yeah, just want you to be a, the sibling. But this seems to strongly point at him at least getting a try at being a windrunner, I guess. So
0: it, we'll I kind of got the impression that he really wants to be a windrunner mm-hmm. because he oh, wants yeah. to be part of the team. And so it would be actually an interesting uh, exploration if he ends up not after all of this work with Kaladin forcing a, a Spren to like, it, it's kind of sits wrong with me a little bit that he's like yeah. forcing this to happen. It feels like it should be more organic. So
1: It's the it's thing with Relaying all the time because like you want him to like be a Windrunner and you want him to be part of Bridge 4, but then you also want it to happen organically and you don't mm-hmm. really want to like have somebody else force everybody else to accept him. So... Yeah, that's going to be interesting, at the very yeah. least, to see Yonfa also deal with his own prejudices and try to accept a singer as a potential bond mate.
0: Let's see. What else in this chapter? <laughs> we got a lot. Well, we, it, it wasn't a very eventful chapter, but we got a lot of little things here and there um, about like mm-hmm. more relationships between people.
1: Yeah. Actually just one more thing about Junfa and sort of mm-hmm. Sil here is that Junfa apparently isn't able to directly speak to Kaladin. He has to go through Sill here. Mm-hmm. So I think that's already showing that he's starting to fade from the physical realm and getting more becoming more cognitive again. So he has to use an, an intermediate to communicate with the people in the physical realm.
0: Yeah, I actually didn't pick on pick up on that. I, I was thinking that he was just doing that like that's just his mannerism that still mean, talked to him. Maybe, like maybe it, is, it was but- an etiquette thing. Like maybe mm-hmm. his friend doesn't want to talk to someone who's they're not bonded with or something. I don't know. Although Sil mm-hmm. still does, but she chooses to reveal herself to mm-hmm. you know Dalinar and stuff. So mm-hmm. and then Dalinar had some interesting dad moments. <laughs> in yeah. Um I I really like Dalinar. I even even after everything and Oathbringer and stuff, like his past. <laughs> I really like his growth and and I actually kind of the way that he treats Kaladin I feel is so different from the way he treats his own sons. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he he kind of treats Kaladin like they're both soldiers. They're both like kind of these grizzled men. And he talks to him he talks to him like a father, but he kind of gives him that tough love like um he un- he can understand what kaladin is going through more than most can but he still doesn't quite understand um what kaladin is thinking like mm-hmm. like when he tells him something kaladin feels just like anger he feels denial he feels guilt he feels sadness you know and so i don't know it's a it's a neat father-son type <laughs> relationship that they have yeah. and it's no different from kaladin's own dad
1: oh yeah yeah definitely like i just want to see uh, an actual conversation between like liren and Dana and mm-hmm. the different approaches to sort of fathering kaladin yeah mm-hmm. but as far as delina is concerned i also like how he's like he's genuinely genuinely trying to do better and sort of uh not be not be the soldier as much and instead be sort of the mediator and well doing bondsmith stuff I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. A leader. And
1: yeah. And what I found interesting there as well is like Daliner actually mentions that all the scars or whatever that Kaladin has and then winces after saying that. So he really is trying to not offend Kaladin any any further or at you know, like he, he is trying to not stoke his anger or anything so he's come a long way i feel since mm-hmm. uh, his earlier days yeah
0: and then he's also working with kaladin to figure out how to interpret his own oaths like you don't have to be there on the field with everybody to protect them you can teach you can you know he gives them other other uh, options that he could do while not actually fighting and putting people at risk yep <laughs> Dalinar was great in this <laughs> when he's reading when he's reading the page and he's like hmm yeah. <laughs> yeah. like make a real show of it in front of the men like and the men are all uncomfortable they're like hmm. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah that I really like, that. Uh, <laughs> he, like he is that really stern guy a lot of the time and uh, okay let's focus here and let's lead these people but then he can also be like oh let's make uh,
0: let's make them have a little bit of
1: fun <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's cool to see yeah
0: <laughs> and then the page that he's reading is uh, i'm assuming a report from maybe um adolin or shallan because he mentions like oh i killed herself let's publish that
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: but that's, I don't know if that's because that's how it was reported to him mm-hmm. or if he's saying that as a way to show so that it avoids like people accusing him of sending an assassin or something like it doesn't seem like he would lie, but maybe um, someone else wrote it for him to read it like that so that he could avoid any speculation or anything.
1: Yeah, I feel that Shalán probably wrote that report or at least had it written and sort of said, OK, let's put she killed herself or committed suicide and uh like that's a very shallow thing to do to mm-hmm. sort of try to do it on her own and not reveal it to like kind of people manipulate who the properly, events <laughs> mm-hmm. and like not reveal it to people who should probably know it because like it's a huge deal if you shouldn't kill herself mm-hmm. but yeah very shallow thing to do but yeah uh, speaking of like or like needing to know stuff and being the leader here is that apparently that all that hiking business is actually like done. Mm-hmm. It's not really a matter anymore because Kenan says he is a King and sort of uh, recognized by that co- um, uh, conference of monarchs, but mm-hmm. uh, he is not, a high king anymore, like uh, somebody who's Mm -hmm. above the king of, or the the queen of Thalen and uh, and, uh, like the Essish Empire. So I think that's good to see because we sort of had that entire subplot a little where Elokar swore to him and uh, then the others were outraged. And it's good to see that after a year, they've settled down on an arrangement that will actually work for them.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that he can avoid that that stigma of being a conqueror and like, <laughs> yeah. trying to take over and stuff and then jasna is the queen so they're now i'm gonna assume that they are considered equals now yeah. because she's a queen he's a king he's not a high king so they're on the same level and they make decisions with each other's approval that's what i'm assuming
1: yeah but what then again is interesting about that is because that dana actually apparently has uh, capability, like the authority to uh, sort of um, order the occupation of the war camps, I think like he says that. Mm -hmm. So it's probably that he has gotten as a king, the authority over Eurythiru and sort of the Shattered Plains as a whole, while Yasna sort of governs Alethka, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because well, it's actually occupied by the singer, so she does have much to govern, but uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, she doesn't have authority on the shutter planes anymore, probably.
0: Or maybe he's just wanting to make sure that there's order established. Yeah. You know, in, in the absence of you know, ILI and all these people. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: But we do have to talk about how Dalinar said, God beyond like what the heck did that even come from? Capital B like. beyond. Let's just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so we know that Evie from the how do you pronounce it? Iri I Irie, Iri Iri Irialia. <laughs> so, so their beliefs are about the God, the One, and He's mm-hmm. in charge of the beyond. So, I don't know if he was saying this as like just like something about the beyond, or if he got this information maybe from Wit, or like where did this even come from?
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like maybe just sort of, I. I oh. Let me refresh it, like the way Delana works sort of as a person is that he wouldn't just use that as a sort of curse mm-hmm. or not curse, but like an ex- uh, exclamation without actually meaning it. So he probably actually like uh, after having sort of denounced or um, mm-hmm. fallen away from Warrenism and the almighty, he sort of has to turn to another God and He probably actually believes in the God Beyond now to some Mm -hmm. extent, and where he picked it up, maybe the Stormfather just let it slip because, of course, the Stormfather would do that. Uh, He'd just say, oh, yeah, the God Beyond is something that people believe in or something like that, uh, without actually explaining it at Mm -hmm. all.
0: Yeah, he but, like yeah. like you said. I I do agree. He does seem to say things intentionally. Like he he doesn't just say like you know he won't say Stormfather or something because he knows Stormfather. <laughs> like that's not a god <laughs> to him anymore. Like and Honor is not a god to him anymore. Mm-hmm. Really. Like they're 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 entities, but why would he swear by just another person? You know so. It's interesting. I wonder if they're going to kind of go into that or if that's just like a foreshadowing about some kind of plot line or something. Mm
1: -hmm. And so I I actually did a search um, in preparation for this. I actually (laughs) prepared, And uh, the God Beyond is referred to once in the whole of the Stormlight Archive as far as I could find. And it's wit, but I think it's when he's talking to Shalan. Yeah, Yeah, he
0: mentions it.
1: Yeah, so he probably hasn't picked it up from anybody up until like Oathbringer. He mu- uh, must have heard it sometime in between. So, yeah. Yeah, like, that's why I also- mentioned
0: like maybe it came from Wit because we don't know where what Wit is doing or mm-hmm. We don't know what they're doing yeah. at this moment. So maybe he is kind of in the background giving Dalinar more information or something.
1: It could also come from Ash or Talon, because we have had Ash actually swear by Adonalsium in Oathbringer so she might also be aware of the God Beyond, and that is also an option. Or maybe it's something completely different, like they have access to, or like re- free access to Shadesman now, so maybe they just, I don't know, there's... So if missionaries in the cognitive realm, just chilling around and telling people of, oh, yeah, you can maybe believe in this God. Like I feel
0: like it wouldn't be the heralds because for my impression from this chapter, because they talked about like, oh, well, we have two heralds, but one of them is crazy and the other one's dabbling in crazy. So I don't know <laughs> if Dalinar would really take everything that they say to heart and start like believing in this God that they start talking about.
1: Yeah, that's that's true, I guess, yeah.
0: Very yeah. interesting. Just the tiny two mm. words and, <laughs> yeah. and theorize about it. Like
1: <laughs> Maybe Delilah even like capitalized on his writing skills now and is actually conversing with Shadz or something because we know there's a mail service. and
0: Writing letters?
1: <laughs> yeah, it would be. Like, it would be oh, just such a huge revelation of French as Oh yeah, and he received another letter from, I don't know, Hermo- Harmony. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't expect that to happen in this book, but I mean, it could probably get this because... It could. Why not? (laughs) So another interesting sort of tidbit, or yeah, it's not even a tidbit. It's like actually a sort of a conclusion, or at least a reaction to one of the relations we got last book, which because we didn't get much of a reaction to it there. Um Kaladin mentions how apparently the Windrunners and Delina as well didn't take the revelation that the Singers were the original inhabitants of Rosha lightly, while the other orders took them more in stride and sort of said, yeah, okay, let's just continue working. Apparently, we have an enemy to deal he- with here. And. Yeah, that's just interesting to see, I think, because arguably you could say that the Windrunners and Bondsmith are the order that's closest to honor in a way, because like one is mm-hmm. the honor sprint people and the other is the people who deal a lot with connection and oath and stuff like that. So maybe they just take more seriously because of that. Yeah, yeah their outlook.
0: Um, so... When I learned that, or when it was like finally revealed, I kind of felt it almost a little bit flat. And like, I was like, well, yeah, duh, that that was obvious. Like Mm -hmm. just to me, and I know some people kind of really got shook by that, (laughs) which, which is really cool because um, Brandon here is, is actually talking about that, like the audience's reaction, but (laughs) through the Windrunners and the, and, and Dalinar, they, they like that shattered their whole perception of everything that ever happened. And other people were like, Oh, interesting. (laughs) And then just kind of moved on and uh, that I liked, I really liked how he tackled that because that was kind of a complaint that I had. I was, I was kind of like the big reveal that the humans are the ones who came and invaded and stuff. I was, it was kind of like, yeah, I know. (laughs) And, yeah, and so, yeah, it was cool. And then, and then the people who, I guess, like you said, the people bound more towards honor and like their, their oaths and things are kind of more tied with that. They found it shocking and they have a hard time internalizing that revelation that. That this is what what the real history of the world is, and then the other people who didn't, they were kind of like, "Oh, interesting," but we really <laughs> have to move on from you know our past and and deal with things now. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I liked that. I thought it was
1: neat. Yeah, th- and I think we'll get some interesting thoughts on that from Dalinar and his viewpoints eventually because. I mean, is it really the honorable thing to do to basically fight the original owners of this land again? And so I feel that's going to be one of his sort of internal struggles. And he tries to justify to himself that well, they're actually now now bound to a force which is also external, actually, to the system. So they sort of threw away that chance, I guess. At least the fuse uh, did. So, yeah. Will be cool to see how he internalized it more because like at this point we see uh, Kaladin actually ref- refers to it and we see Delna reacting not that well to it mm-hmm. so it probably is eating away at him uh, like internally. Mm-hmm. Actually one final thought from me would just be that because Kaladin sort of acts like oh maybe the others other Windrunners are holding back and not swearing their fourth oath because they don't want to do it before me. Um, I'd really love it if it was somebody else who mm. sort of showed Keldin, okay, you can move on and you can swear you're fourth ideal now. And that's sort of how you do it, more or less. And uh, he, that he ba- basically showed him that he doesn't always have to be the leader. That would be really, really cool. And yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd not be surprised if it still was him who did it first because he's sort of the prototypical radiant, but if somebody mm-hmm. else did it, I'd be also not surprised. Yeah.
0: And we have to remember, every Windrunner is saying these oaths and they're personal and they mean something to them. And so for them all to be intentionally holding themselves back, I think it would be good writing for for them to actually just suppress Kaladin, because, you know, that that's what the need is. And and it's okay for the main character not to be as caught up as, you know, a secondary character or something. I, I think that would be good writing, just to show that every character has their own story. It's not just one character is multidimensional and the other characters yeah. are one-dimensional.
1: Yeah. I feel like Tift, for instance, would be a good candidate for swearing it before him, and mm-hmm. the others as well. It's just... He he doesn't have to be the, like the, he can take hints from somebody somebody else at some points at least. So I just think mm-hmm. that would be cool to see. if if, I if, we, if
0: we'll get anything about that when we read the Lopen stuff in Dawnshard. Like, like maybe he will think about that or talk about it and be like, well, you know, I feel ready, but you know, my, my <laughs> High Marshal isn't so... <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm not sure whether Lopen would react in that way, Would was you. Yeah. Uh, let's just swear the fourth ideal and then Gancho, why don't you do it as well? Or something like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> so, I mean, it could go either way for him, yeah. But yeah, I feel if Kaladin is going to swear his fourth ideal, it'll be in a situation uh, like after, like it won't be on the battlefield again. It'll be something he'll do in his new capacity, whatever that will be. Mm-hmm.
0: well that was chapter 10 and you can find all of these preview chapters at 9am on uh, Tuesdays eastern time they're on tour.com. and we also let you know on 17thshard.com at 9 o'clock eastern when they come out and you can discuss them with us here you can discuss them with us on our forums in our discord all sorts of different places we love to talk and I hope some cosplayers hear my queen so you Get, can build Fabriel.
1: <laughs> and as always, hopefully, finally, eventually, chapter next week. Uh, we deserve it so. by this point of view. right? <laughs> After going <laughs> through all these, all this stuff at keladin and uh, all these lows for him, it'll be it'll be good to have a change of pace, or at least
0: <laughs> a new few point, point of view.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah well bye bye